Welcome to Problem Addict, a weekly podcast about notoriously problematic pop culture icons from our favorite reality TV shows, past and present, music videos, movies, and everything in between. Hey, all you problematics. It's Eugene, the host of Problematic Pod. I want to thank you so much for listening to this week's episode, and let's get started without any further ado. Can we just address the fact that Roni was like one of the worst episodes? Well, I won't say it was. It, I won't say it was the worst episode ever, but it was so uncomfortable to watch Luann just be so uh, racially insensitive. Like I believe, like yes, it's one thing to say that you're not a racist, but there is a huge difference in actively being anti-racist. And she is not actively being anti-racist. She's showing her ass. Let's not forget that this is the same woman that showed up in blackface one season, whose daughter Victoria was on record for saying the N-word. Who the fuck do you think you are? These fucking stupid Lesseps. Della Seps. Ugh. Get the fuck off my TV. Um, and one thing, I mean, yes, uh, all the great podcasts are talking about what they took away from this Roni episode. But the one thing that I noticed, and the camera like really cut away very quickly, is that Luann, loser Luann, had nerve to flick Ebony's hair. And I don't think most Caucasian people understand just how rude that is. I see white girls play with each other's hair all the time. And that's completely different from when a white woman, a Caucasian person, touches a black person's hair. That's not for any... It's it's just so layered. <laughs> and it was almost... I noticed it because there was a scene at... Um, at Ramona's house where like almost every uh, employee that is I mean every one of Michelle's employees or Diana's employee whatever they're it's like a lot of them are just like running their fingers through their hair and then that the fact that Luann sort of like touched Ebony's hair and then like the camera cut away from it and showed like Ebony pouring like a drink. It was just, and then by the time we get back up to their faces, like you can't see Luann touching our hair, uh, Ebony's hair anymore. Ebony's hair, which she's already explained, takes time, effort, considerable amount. It, it's just not wash and go, okay? And like as a black Korean man with similar ha- uh, hair, her. <laughs> With similar hair, I completely, it's like, don't, don't touch my hair. Don't touch her hair. Okay. I'm going to try to make this one of the quickest recordings I've ever done because it is just way too hot to be sitting in my walk-in closet. 
So I've realized that when my air conditioner is on in the bedroom, it's just too loud. So I can't record in my bedroom. It's also too loud to record in my living room with the air conditioning on. So I am trapped behind these curtains, these heavy drapes in my walk-in closet trying to get this done while my dog is trying to get me to feed him dinner. <laughs> so yeah, let's get into the tournament of tofu. Uh, there's a nice scene of Maria, Jamie, and Dawn that opens up the uh, the episode. My favorite top three women in this competition are on that amazing green sofa that I want for myself. That I noticed, I think, either the first or second episode where Brittany uh, and Sarah are sitting. Uh, Jamie interviews and says that Dawn and Maria have helped her through this competition and that with Jamie's anxiety, she's had to adapt quickly and learn some coping mechanisms, uh, some tools that help her manage her anxiety better and that's that's you know people never really come on these shows to make their lives better in terms of learning coping mechanisms <laughs> i feel like people just want success and i think this is a maybe a much more important lesson for jamie to learn so good for her i'm really really proud of her um have we heard a lot about her anxiety in any other previous episodes though not that i can recall can we talk about these outfits? We're going to talk about these outfits. Why Gail is in a neon pink blazer and these like light wash blue jeans with a white tuxedo stripe is beyond me. Uh, I think she's also wearing white high heels. Uh, and then this like turned up cuff at her wrist. It's it's just like 280s. Uh, Padma's wearing probably my, my least favorite outfit she's ever worn. It's this ill-fitting periwinkle jumpsuit with like this full zipper like down the front and not very flattering atrocious brown boots i just i don't think these colors went together the fit on this jumpsuit's not good it's like puckering and wrinkled everywhere uh it mm, I, I i didn't get it uh and then richard blaze is wearing a camo polo listen as a military brat there are things i don't understand wearing camo outside i think it's so stupid <laughs> I think from my perspective, camo is meant for people in the field, right? Like soldiers, usually. So in order to wear camo, like on it, like just, just to wear camo is just, I think, dumb. Camo should be reserved for military uniforms. This is the hill I will die on. One of the hills I will die on. And Tom is just wearing this ill-fitting oversized work shirt. It's, I understand he's like on the shorter side, but he's like larger than most men uh so they have to like work around that fit <laughs> um but a little tailoring a little you know like getting the sleeves to uh, it's it's whatever okay it's a chipotle 53 ingredient sponsored quick fire e coli not included mm. imagine if this episode had aired while an outbreak at chipotle was going on across the country <laughs> oh man I bet they would have edited around that somehow, but uh, I would have loved to have seen how how could the editors get us to not see the Chipotle if it's a Chipotle-sponsored uh, segment for the quick fire. Anyway, it's too hot, so it's over 90 degrees in New York City right now, so let's just persevere through. Gail draws Jamie and uh, Gabe's knives, but before she does, she mentions that she's been waiting to do this for 15 years. Whoa. Wait, what? Has Gail never drawn knives for a quick fire? Huh. And in those 15 years, 
Do you think Padma and Gale get along? I wonder if there's beef between them. I doubt it, but I just kind of wonder. I have no reason to believe they don't get along, but it seems odd that the editors just left that bit in. So Gabe and Jamie will be judged by Gale. Tom pulls Byron and Dawn's knives, so he's going to judge their dishes. Padma pulls Marie. Actually, yeah, she pulls Marie and Shoda's, even though they're the only two left. So Padma will judge uh, Maria and Shoda's dishes. Richard Blaze gets to taste everything. And Padma says that we'll each select a favorite from the two chefs who cooked for us. And then Richard will decide who had the best dishes from our three favorites. They're giving the Top Chef alumni judges a lot of say, I feel, in this season. So the quick fire is to create custom dishes featuring the judges' preferred flavor combinations. On top of that, Padma throws in a little twist that she asks Tom what he wants in his dish, and he wants something tangy and crunchy. She asks the same from Gail, and Gail responds, smoky and charred. And then Padma improvises, quote-unquote improvises. I was thinking I would like something spicy and tart. The winner will receive 10,000k. Immunity is off the table, we learned a few weeks ago. Shota confesses to the camera and says that I am literally using cooking techniques. I've seen Maria do all season. That's smart. Let's tally up how many times Shota, though, says sexy during this episode. I know there's at least twice, maybe even three times he says it. Once during uh, Byron and Dawn's segment, um, he's like, sexy dude. Like when he's like looking looking at his food. But during this Dawn and Byron segment, I also noticed that it looks like the editors are pointing out the fact that Dawn runs around the kitchen in this weird way, this odd way. Um, And we know that Dawn knows how to run. She's a track and field star. (laughs) She went to the Olympics. But it's also like, why are they showing how oddly she runs around the kitchen? Now, obviously, she's not running for speed or for a record. She just needs to get to one place to the other with her food. So it's it's almost like a... a she must be doing it on purpose, right? <laughs> uh, and can you imagine having not one, but two Olympians in your family? Not only was Dawn in the 2000 Olympics, her older brother Leroy was in the 1992 Barcelona Games, and he actually made the Olympic team in Atlanta, but he had to withdraw due to injury. He also, Leroy, Dawn's brother, also set two world records in the 100-meter sprint. That's a fast race. Like, that race happens in a little over nine seconds, usually. (laughs) And Leroy Burrell even beat Carl Lewis back in the day. So, good for you. Did you hear that Tiffany Haddish is going to play Flojo? I can't wait for that. Like, a biopic about Flojo? That, That should be dope. So Jamie starts her charred corn, grilled skirt steak with tomatilla salsa, Puebla style. There's definitely a renewed, composed confidence coming from her. I'm starting to feel from Jamie, and I kind of love it. It, She seems much more comfortable, relaxed, and composed. She doesn't seem to be second-guessing herself, and her her food this episode looks like the best it's ever been. Gabe is doing a pork loin marinated in bay leaf oil. I was always under the impression that you couldn't eat bay leaves. Maybe I was wrong. You always take the bay leaf out, right? Like stews, soups, stocks. You never leave the bay leaf in. So I guess you can eat bay leaves if you do it with oil. Who knows? 
Padma gives us the times up, hands up, utensils down, and this is another hill I will die on. It should be times up, utensils down, hands up. It doesn't sound very as like flowy, but that's how it goes. The time is up, you put your utensils down and your hands up. You should never put your hands up and then your utensils down. Padma's the first taste tester. Shoda serves her a pork loin with spicy avocado puree, sautéed spinach, and crunchy black beans. Maria serves a fried avocado taco with black bean tortilla, serrano pepper, fresh corn, and jalapeno spinach salsa. Uh, Shoda wins that round. I was expecting to win this quick fire, Maria says. <laughs> it's kind of funny to me. Dawn serves Tom a wood-fired pork loin with crispy onions and poblano avocado puree. Dawn makes kind of a big deal about these crispy onions. Um, These crispy onions are basically like shoestring onion rings, I feel. They're not even like rings, they're just like onion pieces. Uh, Byron does a mojo grilled pork with charred corn salad, tomatillo, and charred poblano salsa. All this charring makes me feel like this should be Gail's uh, preferred dish, but it's actually Tom's. <laughs> and is this really what Tangy and Crunchy asks for? Uh, it's two pork dishes with, like, avocados on the side. <laughs> um, whatever. Dawn wins this round. I think, like, more successful would be, like, a fish and chips, or I know there's no fish, provided by Chipotle. I, I get that. But like a play on some sort of fish and chips, I think would have been interesting because it's fried. It's tangy and crunchy, but who knows? Gail finally gets served. Uh, Jamie gives her a grilled skirt steak with Chipotle smoked corn and spicy tomatillo sauce. Gabe does the bay leaf oil roasted pork with smoked jalapeno, tomatillo salsa, and avocado. So you sense a trend here? Everyone's using avocado, tomatillos, uh, everything's corn. <laughs> it's just too much. I really wanted Jamie to take uh, Gabe down, but Gail gives Gabe the win. But she says she will eat all the dishes that Gabe and Jamie cooked, so that's how good their pres- their food was. And the winner of the quickfire, according to Richard Blaze, is... Drumroll, please! It's Dawn. Congrats. She looks a little surprised. She also looks a little sleepy. Maybe even tired, I would say. Uh, I feel like she just didn't sleep all the night before because it's like written all over her face. It's interesting to note that all the women chef testants are on one side of this kitchen and all the men chef testants are on the other side. And it's not because one side is all winners or losers. It's just the way that the kitchen's like divided up and I just found it odd. So Dawn struggled at the beginning of the season uh, to get all of the components, all of her ingredients on the plate, and now she's won her second quickfire in a row. And she says, I'm realizing that I can actually win, and I'm glad to finally be feeling this way. And this is a great talking head. This makes me feel like she's going to go all the way. When you feel, when you open yourself up to unexpected but hard-earned wins, they kind of change your life right? Like your attitude, your mentality changes. And I think everyone deserves a win in life. When I'm down or I'm sad or I'm hard on myself, 
I look to like my win column and I get a sense of joy and comfort uh, from them. Particularly like, you know, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, I had like a team leader in my old real estate job who is probably the worst team leader I've ever worked for. And I just felt like really belittled and small, even though I knew like I had the skills and the negotiation. I had all the components of being a great real estate agent, but I did not have the support or the trust or anything that I could bounce off of my team leader that made me feel like I was doing a good job. And that sucked. It sucked so bad. But, you know, I'm actually really good at real estate, I believe. And watching the latest season of Million Dollar Listings making me like really feel that urge again. Like, hey, I should go back into real estate because I really like finding homes, looking through homes or like it's like really my thing. So Gail and Tom leave, and Padma brings in Ed Lee, whose season I did not watch. I believe it's Top Chef number nine. That's the Texas season. He mentions that, of course, the oldest tofu maker in America is in Portland, and that Ota Tofu has been making tofu, uh, has been in operation for over 100 years. It's a really long time. Tofu. Let's talk about tofu. Tofu is part of my upbringing. It's always been around. I was probably eating tofu before I was eating, like, solid meat. Like, my Korean mom, like, made tofu. Oh, I guess my Korean grandmother made tofu for everything. Uh, in Korean, it's called tubu. <laughs> Suntubu. Uh, Suntubu jjigae, I'm sure people have seen on menus. Soft tofu stew. It's so versatile. Uh, you can do a lot with tofu, and I think tofu gets a bad rap because tofu kind of just takes on the flavor of anything else. Uh, people use it for smoothies, people use it in substitution for yogurt, people fry it. Um, it's like got this nice silky creaminess to it. You can do a lot. I mean, like to, just put tofu in everything. So this is going to be the tournament of tofu, it explains. And there's this really weird, like, round setup that I don't even want to get into. It's messy, it doesn't make much sense to me. And in a really confounding first, there's no designated winner of this episode. <laughs> No one wins this week. Has there ever been a Top Chef episode where there is no winner? Not crowning a winner seems antithetical to the whole mission of Top Chef. Like, you need a winner for the episode, even if it's just for bragging rights. I feel that we... I have more thoughts on why we didn't get a winner, but that's because they probably just ran out of time. So round one, they draw knives... And Shoda and Maria are paired up to do medium-firm tofu. Gabe and Don are doing firm tofu. Byron and Jamie are doing extra-firm tofu. The second round, the people that lost the first round are battling against each other doing fried tofu. And then the losers from the fried tofu round do round three where it's soft tofu and it's a dessert challenge. This is so confusing to me. But first, let's go check out Oda Tofu for some background. They go and they explore this tofu factory. <laughs> Jamie is hilarious with her Bubba Gump, Forrest Gump, tofu talking head. And um, she, I feel like, gets a lot of screen time in this episode. <laughs> um, I use mostly soft tofu, I guess, in my most common cooking um, I also do use a lot of extra firm tofu, I guess, um, for like fried tofu muchim. 
<laughs> Muchim is a Korean word for season, seasoned, seasonings, I think, or like a mixture, or like a like a marinade. I think muchim, muchim is marinade. I could be off on that, but it's basically like seasoning, like a seasoning marinade. Uh, you can do it with cucumbers. You can do it with tofu. You can do it with um, cabbage. It's just like the the flavor you add is like the muchim. The elimination challenge will be held at the Portland Japanese Garden, and there are so many guest judges on this panel. All right, you might need to like grab a drink or something because this is who's on our judging panel. Listen up. We've got Dale Talday. We've got Melissa King. We've got Kwame. We've got Ed. Then there's Padma, of course. We've got Tom and his ridiculous hat. Then there's Gail. Are you still with me? Then there's Kristen next to her. Next to Kristen, we've got Gregory. And last but not least, that's Richard Blaze on the end. That's 10 judges for a tournament. Why not just have like five or some other odd number of judges so that there's no chance for a tie? I mean, come on, it's simple game theory. This is why the filming of this episode goes so long and there's almost no natural light by the end of this episode because these tied deliberations are taking so long to talk about and declare a winner. Maria and Shoto are the first up. Maria does a soy braised tofu tamal with masa and soybeans. It's a dish of brown on brown on brown with like a sprinkle of green garnish. I think they're pea shoots actually. Shoda does the soy braised tofu with soy milk yuba, uh, shira ai, which is like a mashed tofu salad and tofu crumbles. When they judge both of these dishes, it's a tie. It's five to five. And also notice how bright it is outside. The sun is out. Um, and because it's a tie, there has to be a discussion. So Padma says, we'll be with you momentarily. And I feel like anyone should have realized, oh, damn, maybe we have too many people on this panel. Because if the first round is a tie, what's to say we won't get multiple ties and we may not even get through this episode <laughs> this like in one day? I can't tell who flipped. Or they don't let us know who flipped or if multiple people flipped their votes. But it seemed like the criticism of Shoda's dish was going to make Maria the winner. But psych, it's Shoda that wins. <laughs> I think it's Kristen that says his dish was all the same note, like it's too sweet. But I guess Maria's mushy masa helped Shoda win. And here's where I'm thinking, damn, what if there's a tie for like every single battle after this? Not great planning producers. Not great planning at all. And then by the time they come back from the deliberation, eagle-eyed viewers will notice how much sunlight we've already lost. The panel of judges is obscured by shadows already. Gabe and Dawn uh, are next. Gabe does the marinated and braised tofu with cabbage, soybeans, and miso chicken jus. Dawn does a West Indian-style brown stew braised tofu with charred vegetables. And and Kelsipri's, it's another tie. Yep. We'll be back, Padma says. That's going to be my episode title. We'll be back, because there's going to be a lot of coming back, I feel. 
Dawn's face starts to fall like she's almost giving up. She's not smiling. She's not as cheerful as usual. But maybe she's not used to cooking outdoors in the sun. Uh, and after judges' deliberations, Gabe wins. So who flipped their vote, I wonder? And did multiple people flip their vote? I need to know. Byron does the pan-seared tofu with daikon salad and tofu vinaigrette. Jamie does a bun so with sautéed tofu and fresh herbs. Her Vietnamese crepe is voted 9 to 1 in favor of Jamie. So while I was hoping for another tie, they probably just realized, no, let's just give it to Jamie. <laughs> so this means that the fried tofu round will be Dawn, Maria, and Byron. They have to cook against each other. Which also means that Shota, Jamie, and Gabe can kind of just sit back, maybe, you know, relax, pour some sake shots. Uh, whose heart sank when Dawn cut herself? I really thought she was going home. I really thought this was going to send her home. But it was so nice that her competitors helped her finish nine out of her ten dishes. But it was also really heartbreaking that she was disqualified for not serving all ten plates to the ten judges. And that's why I think they should have only had nine judges, or seven, or five. <laughs> and yo, Nashville hot tofu sounds like really good. Maria does the fried tofu steak with Asian mole, fried soybean crumble. Don does the Nashville hot tofu with pickles and soy buttermilk ranch. Byron does a fried tofu with grilled shrimp, crispy prosciutto, and crispy tofu skin. I feel like there are just way too many elements on this dish. Uh, the vote is between Maria and Byron, and Maria wins 9 to 1. Poor Byron. Uh, leaving Byron and Dawn to cook dessert. And by now, the sun is basically setting. Like, the sun has set. <laughs> Maria asks Dawn if she's good, and Dawn's natural spark has really diminished. She's almost like a shell of her former self, and it's really hard to watch. Because she is my favorite, and I think a lot of viewers want her to win. <laughs> Dawn's soft tofu dessert is a mango is a mango tofu mousse, macerated mango, so, uh, diced soft tofu, and sesame okara. It's uh, okara is the soybean pulp that we learned over at the Oda Tofu Factory, um, and I think there's maybe some mint as a garnish on this. Byron does a honey soft tofu mousse with dried mango granola. I call shenanigans that the judges didn't vote right off the bat for the dessert round. We get a quick shot of Dawn, and she looks like she's close to tears. There's like almost this like shell-shocked look on her face that it's really hard to watch. Look, the judges aren't even inside. They're openly talking at judges' table. So the chef testants must have been whisked away. Uh, moved further away for the judges to talk openly while on camera, while the sun is really close to setting. It seems a bit rushed, and maybe that explains why there's no winner of this episode. Uh, I think Jamie should have won. Um, I think Gabe served up good food, but he was almost kind of non-existent in this episode. There was a lot of Jamie in this uh, in terms of talking heads, jokes, um, you know, I feel like it was a very Jamie forward episode. Unfortunately, Padma has to tell Byron to pack your knives and go. It's, it's really sad. I kind of wanted him to go further. Um, I think he probably, 
exceeded his expectations, so good for him. After we find out who has to pack their knives and go, uh, they're literally both crying as they come up to tell um, the other chef testants. They're both crying. Who is going home, Maria asks. And it's, it's not common, it's not usual to see both people cry, I guess, but it's practically dark when Byron says his goodbyes. And was this a shooting star that was CGI'd into this episode? Because <laughs> there's definitely something going over the horizon when Byron says goodbye. And if not, great timing, camera operators. Like this, <laughs> it was great. I loved it. I also want to give a special shout out to my girl, Billy, out in the UK. Thank you for the t-shirts. I got them over uh, the U.S. Memorial Day holiday. So thank you so much. I appreciate them. I, I may just have to go back and watch The Bridge again on HBO Max. That show was so good. So thank you, Billy. I, I, I love my t-shirts. And uh, I love that you're on the back of one of them. <laughs> or you're on the back of both of them. But uh, yeah, I was expecting just like a simple Team Billy uh, font. But I love that there's a picture of you on the back of the shirt. Go Team Billy! Maybe we can do, like, the bridge season two, like (laughs) all-stars. So if you want to support the podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts and find this podcast, Problem Addict. Please rate me five stars. Please write me a review. Since I've launched the podcast, I've had two really nice uh, written reviews on Apple Podcasts and I believe about 11 uh, five-star ratings. So thank you for all of those who have reviewed, rated, subscribed, followed the podcast. I truly, truly appreciate your support. You mean the world to me. Let me know what you're thinking, how I can improve, what you're liking, what you think uh, I could do better. If you have friends that listen, tell them that the easiest way to support me would be to head over to Apple Podcasts, search for Problem Attic, and just give me a five-star rating. I would love to hear comments, suggestions, advice. I'm all for improving the podcast. I can only do that if I hear from you. So listeners, please reach out and let me know your thoughts. Hey, all you problematics. Thanks for listening. Check me out on Instagram. I can be found at problematicpod. That's problematicpod. And leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Check you next time. Thanks for listening.